0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of worship center. We know just how hard it is to read God's word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, Chris, and Ryan, and we are in First Timothy still today. And uh, what's it got to you guys in today's passage?
1: Uh, one of the things that, I mean, right out of the gate, we look at 1 Timothy 3. I think this is a, a super, super important passage. Um, I, I think it's um, applicable to the church today. One of the conversations we had before we turned this thing on is like, well, how do we get to pick like what is contextual and what isn't? I, I actually don't think this is contextual. I think that this is like a timeless truth thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that we oftentimes misrepresent how important this is. Uh, because when it when it comes to being a leader in the church and even the the actual language you could dig into this. Um, I don't think Paul actually just means specifically pastors. I think he's talking about elder overseers, like anybody that has any kind of authority in the church actually needs to be able to prove that they're worthy of that office um, to, to a very invasive degree. Hmm. Um, Like, are you spoken well of by the people in your community? A lot of times we appoint people to, positions of leadership, we've never talked to their neighbors about what kind of a person they are. Um, Yeah,
0: it specifically says people outside of the church.
1: Yeah, it does. Like, I've actually heard from pastors where they have like a very extensive questionnaire for literally every neighborhood house before they appoint somebody to the elder board, which is pretty crazy. But also, they're not going to be in a situation where they find out that somebody is not fit for the office Hmm. after they're appointed to the office. Um so particularly in the in the realm of church where we are today, where it's it's i mean it it's not hard to find pastors who are not worthy of the office, and it's very hurtful to our Christian witness these high level pastors who you find out afterwards are extremely isolated and nobody around them respects them mm. um These passages are super super important, actually, I guess I would say like in the in the internet age, these passages become even more important, not less important.
0: Mm.
2: It's challenging.
0: Uh, I have a question about, so Paul differentiates between a church leader and a deacon. How, like, what does that, what does a church leader mean versus a deacon? Like you kind of touched on that, but what is that? There's,
1: there's all kinds of different ways to lead a church and probably everybody listening is part of some type of community that has some different level of leadership. So worship center, for example, it, it doesn't have elders. Is that fair? Yep. Like we have a board what do we require of our board what do we we're, i guess more we're more like pastor led am i yeah hopefully i don't lose my job in this conversation
0: no.
1: <laughs> um but but i've been i've been involved in churches that are congregationally led and so then there you have people casting votes that aren't even christians mm. it doesn't make any sense paul would not love that um <laughs> that you have you have churches that are led by very strict elder boards you have churches that are led so it it is important to drill into this passage because I think church leadership is something we should care about. Um, but it's it's getting tougher because everything looks so different from place to place.
2: Yeah, and I don't think we see in Timothy and then even tomorrow in Titus. I don't think we see Paul mandating that this is how churches have to be led. I mean, uh, I'm not. I paused a second because I wasn't sure if. Timothy had the same thing. I know in Titus, there are actually different Greek words, that where it's translated elders it's one word, where it's translated uh, bishops or deacons, it's another word. Mm -hmm. I would assume it's probably similar here in in Timothy, but I didn't want to speak out of turn on that. (laughs) Um, But some of the qualifications are very similar. And I think the main takeaway here is not so much a reproducible structure as it is the the value that needs to go into choosing good leaders. And... uh, that we see what happens when they aren't in place. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was, especially in context, Paul is like planting churches. He is doing this all the time. So in order to really pass those churches off, there has to be a good leadership structure in place. Uh, Even if it looks a little bit different region to region, there has to be good, capable people in there.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you look at this list and it's it's extensive. (laughs) It's... (laughs) You're right. It is like it's almost invasive to a, de- a degree of just like how how are your finances, like things like that. Where it's it's, a lot it's of- funny because
1: it's it's invasive if you aren't of good character. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you are of good character and you're striving to be in a church leadership role, this is like, yeah, sure, you can look into my fa- finances. What you'll see is I actually live out what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And why wouldn't we want that of the people who are at least the most earthly example of Christian. To, to a lot of people i don 't want to say the wrong thing and give the wrong idea, but right. you know a lot of people, when they they think about the most Christian person they can think of, they would probably mention their pastor. I would guess mm. um, so why would we not want this high level of character from church leadership
2: so one of the other passages in this text that I think is really interesting is how much time is devoted to caring for the widows. Mm. Yeah. Um and there's very specific things for older widows, younger widows, but you see this was this was something like Paul wasn't introducing a concept, he was referring to something that was already in place. There's an actual list uh in which they cared for them, which again, widows culturally, uh, if you had lost your husband, women not being overly educated in this culture, this would have been like almost a place of destitution where that the church stepped in because these people were so in need, and of course, also living in a city like Ephesus, uh, there was a lot of unattractive employment options for women uh, at <laughs> prostitution the, at various temples. <laughs> um, and so, this was also a protection for for them, and that they wouldn't kind of be led astray in this way. But one of the things that I think about in this, because uh, I think obviously it's still good to care for widows. But I think, you know, that the concept here is bigger than just someone who's lost their husband. So, like, when I read this, a lot of times I think about who are who are modern-day widows. Not to say that widows aren't modern-day widows, but, like, how do we enlarge that, you know? And maybe it's single parents. Maybe it's uh, people who have been divorced. Uh, you know, I at one point, I remember going through this book uh and my sister's husband was overseas on military duty and i was like well right now she's kind of in that boat mm-hmm. um so i think it's interesting that we could flesh out a little bit more who are these people and then the other interesting factor is like the challenge here is that the church cares for them um and all throughout scripture old testament and new testament we see that the responsibility for the poor and needy god challenges that to be on the church it doesn't mean that government things are sinful but I think in our modern day mind, we don't rely on the church first, we rely on the government first, and maybe only on the government. Uh, I think the challenge is for the body of Christ to be supporting those in need in all areas, whether they're widows, whether they're poverty, uh, homelessness, the challenges. it's a call for the church to get involved.
1: In the majority of Christian history, the church has been the leading edge of caring for people on the margins of society. Mm. So, the vast majority of hospitals around the world were started by churches. The vast majority of orphanages around the world have been started by churches. Um, It's, it's incredible the history that the church has in caring for people. And this is, this is the, the, this is social services um, carried in-house by the church and the church supporting that without question, I think for the most part. Um, And so I think there's a, there is a really compelling case to be made for the church continuing to be the leaders in care and social service um, because that's how we represent the gospel. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we get frustrated with the government because the government, when they take over social service, guess what? They don't, they don't do it in a Christian way. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I've heard a really compelling argument that if the, if the church would have continued to lead in Mm -hmm. social service, the government would have never needed to take it up, mm. um, and you can find actually in very recent history cases where churches have taken on social issues and solved them uh, much faster than the government ever could. There's a there's a situation in Colorado um, where all wards of the state were adopted by church members, to where there were no children being cared for by the state in that in that state of Colorado, um, which is amazing. Wow, but. Imagine the Christian witness that comes from that, that is like, yeah, we actually do care for the marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is this verse that's often kind of plucked out of 1 Timothy of, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Um, I think another it's just another example of how, like, reading the context of verses... Is so so important. I it's true. Don't let anyone like less of you because you're young. Um, I remember I sorry, I remember seeing in elementary school and that being like a verse. Like I went to Christian school and that was like the verse on the door, and I remember like looking at that and I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, but I, as I'm reading this passage, there's so much that goes into that. Paul's saying, Don't let, let anyone look, think less of you because you're young. Be an example, focus on reading the scripture, encourage all believers, teach them. Um, live in love and faith and purity, let everyone see your progress, um, stay what's true to what's right. And it's just like this big, long list of things that Timothy needs to do. I think almost so that people don't look less, look down on him because he's young. Like there's a lot that goes into that. Um, it's not just like, um, oh, young and the Bible says that that's fine.
2: You got to respect me.
0: <laughs> yeah. You got to exactly. listen to my
2: ideas. Yeah. I just didn't know that Paul was a youth pastor. That, that surprised me. <laughs>
0: But there's there's just so much that goes into it. It's not, It's so important to read the context. And it's again, it's this list for Timothy, kind of like the list for church leaders. That's really important to follow. It's this is a. This I was going to point that man. out. Yeah. Like, this is a list of qualities that like would be a good man. <laughs> yeah. Anything else for you guys?
1: Yeah, we definitely have to touch on this slave situation. Oh,
2: okay.
1: It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a weird segue. Sorry, yeah, guys. That's really weird. Uh, but. It's there, and I think, it, I think we do need to bring some clarity to it. This is First uh, Timothy 6.1. All slaves should show full respect for their masters so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being, being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Uh, This is where biblical interpretation is incredibly important, because there is a very dark history of this verse specifically, where people who are being abused, people who are in horrible, horrible slave situations are being preached at from their pastors, that you just have to submit, and it brings honor to God that you are working well.
2: Um, What do we do with this?
0: (laughs) I was hoping you would tell us.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've had Bible school students, too, who they would almost actually get angry at Paul, where they say, why did he say this? This was his opportunity to kind of like say, slavery is evil. This is, we need to abolish this. We need to walk away from this. And he didn't do it. Um, But one of the things I do see Paul do, and he does this on a number of occasions, we've referenced it before, that like, Paul is dealing with people, and if he comes into a city or a Empire and starts taking something from zero to a hundred like heaven on earth, people are just going to blow him off it's not going to change. but if he can start to try to bring some dignity and respect within institutions, he is moving it to godliness. Uh, I don't think Paul is pro-slavery. I think he knows that slavery exists in the Roman Empire so uh, how can how can some things be done in a better way with the ultimate goal? Of treating everyone as if they're made in the image of God and respecting all people and moving it that way, there are a number of different passages uh, like this. The whole book of Philemon is centered around a slave and his master, and so there's there's definitely a, op, many opportunities for Paul to do this, but he never out and out comes out and condemns slavery. But with what you see in the the rest of Scripture it does lead us to this place that we can say, okay, God doesn't desire people to be owned or people to be abused. Mm. Um, I mean, I lived in South Africa for a number of different years and this was the same text that was used in justification of the apartheid regime that would oppress the blacks in South Africa, even though they were 90% of the population uh, and subject them to cruel and horrible things uh, in the name of God and in the name of the Bible. And there is a lot of damage obviously that's done in those cases. So, yeah, I agree. This is a, one of those things that, like, taking the bulk of Scripture is so important that if we have one verse that seems to be saying something very different than the rest of Scripture, uh, we need to go with the weight and the entirety of Scripture.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think you have a great point, and I think that the that that is one of the reasons that we are doing this podcast. Actually, like we want people to see and understand. We we ourselves want to see and understand the entirety of Scripture, the weight of the whole narrative, um, so that you can't pluck out tiny little pieces. Actually, anytime someone's plucking out their favorite one little verse, and it becomes the verse of a whole movement, that should be like that. Could that should cause some skepticism, actually. Um, <laughs> Because it's very, very important that we move to understand the heart of God, and we can't understand the heart of God without understanding all of Scripture. Right. Um, so that's the that's my tagline, I guess. Actually, that's why you should listen to God's whole story. So uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to finish up 1 Timothy. Why the editor cut that up that way, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then we'll be into Titus. So I think that's one of Chelsea's favorite books, probably. <laughs>
0: Feels like an inside joke. It's because my son's name is Titus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. First Timothy
0: three, beginning in verse one. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle not quarrelsome and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church?" A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Now the Holy Spirit tells us that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you have received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your sisters. Take care of any widows who have no one else to care for her. But if she has grandchildren or children, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help, but the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well-respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should not be on the list, because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ, and they will want to remarry. Then they will be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. And if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them, for I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan." If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can take care for the widows who are truly alone. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Remember the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. All slaves should show full respect for their masters, so they will not bring shame on the name of God and His teaching. If the masters are believers... That is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows.